Welcome to KJV Cafe. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen. Each episode of the cafe is dedicated to studying the Bible verse by verse from Genesis through Revelation. Your host here at the cafe is Bible teacher Clark Covington. Looks like the coffee is hot and ready, so let's get started. Amen. Glory to God. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the cafe. Pastor Clark Covington here with another episode of KJV Cafe. It is a blessed day to be here at the cafe. Amen. It's always a blessed day. Amen. Uh, you know, you, you can have struggles and trials going on in your life. And when you get into God's word, oh, how God really blesses through his word. He blesses us as we study his word uh, in having peace in having understanding and discernment, in, in learning about what God intends for us to learn. And we're in Genesis 3, and today we're just tackling the second verse of Genesis 3. And so here we are. I'll read the first verse for context. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. You know, we spent four episodes speaking on verse one, so I won't hit that too hard here today, other than to say that word subtle is very important because the devil is very subtle in his temptation, and the idea that he's asking a question, he's not forcing, but he's appealing to the lusts of the flesh that we, when we're tempted, we are appealed to our lusts, our desires, and it was a very surface level thing. Hey, you know, really, did God say this? You know, it, was, it seemed kind of like just making conversation. And here we see in verse two, something very interesting. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Wow. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. And we'll go ahead and go with verse three as well. But the, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. So we see here, the woman says unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. That to me looks like a complete admission that she knows exactly what is going on. She knows what the rules are. Amen. You know, we see here, woman has a clear understanding of the rules that God had made. Okay. And later on in the Bible, the new Testament, we're told that, uh, the devil tempted the woman as the weaker vessel, right? The devil tempted the woman as the weaker vessel, you know? So we see this not in the ter terms about, uh, who is, you know, oh, okay. Like you're, you're so strong. The man is so strong. No, that's not what it is. Uh, it just means that spiritually the woman was more susceptible to the craft of the devil. And I'm going to look that verse up for you. Okay, I've got a couple here. And the first one is 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. And that's also mentioned here in 1 Timothy 2, verse 14, but I'll read 10 through 15. But which cometh, becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the woman le learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing, if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. 
So people, they take this verse out of context a lot, I believe, and hopefully I'm not doing that today. We're not, men are not superior to women in God's sight. We're all subject to the Lord and his judgment. But spiritually, the devil knew who to tempt. He knew who to go to, right? And that's an example of how we see this individual reciting back to the devil, to the serpent, what she could and couldn't eat. She was aware of this, okay? And that touches on the idea of her having a conscience and aware, uh, an awareness of what she's supposed to do and not do, right? And of course, we know, again, she falls into the sin, but Adam is ultimately held accountable because he's the head of the house, right? And that's a whole other message. But we see this idea of awareness, and we're going to look at this idea of awareness that God builds into us so that when we're tempted, we don't fall into that same temptation. Hang in there. We'll be right back. You're listening to KJV Cafe. We encourage you to look us up on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Now let's get back to some more in-depth Bible study. Okay, so we're back here, and I want to look at John 8, 1 through 12. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. So here we have the woman again. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that, that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? They said, this they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So here we see in John 8, and John 8 is a fantastic chapter as a parallel chapter to Genesis 3, 1 through 4, because John 8 is showing us that Jesus is the light of life, okay? And everyone has that light. Um, I've got it right here, John 1, 9, okay? That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So Jesus is the light. He is the true light. He lights everyone that comes into the world. Everyone that comes to the world has some form of godliness, which we'll get to later on. But we see here that there's a conscience that when everybody wanted to condemn the woman of her sin, Jesus turned the tables on them and said, look at yourself. Have you not sinned? And if we're honest, we realize that we are all sinners. And that we see here in this example that it says that everyone turned and walked away which means that they were admitting it by their actions, right? They were convicted of their own conscience. We see that they knew deep down. And so just as we see in the New Testament, that when Christ himself confronts people about their sin, they admit it. And we see in the Old Testament here in Genesis 3, 2, that when the devil comes and asks the woman, hey, why don't you eat this, this uh, tree of the garden of good of 
of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden, the woman says, no, uh, we can't eat that tree. God said we can't eat it or touch it or we'll die. You see, she is showing here through this dialogue, and I believe that's why God allows it in his word, what she knew to be true, right? And so what this means is oftentimes we're just like messed up because we're not thinking about ourselves and we're keeping our mind on maybe things that we would like to do or the sin of others or whatever it may be without realizing that God has put deep within us the knowledge here of what we are to do and not do. Remember, God is the maker of all things. John 1 tells us that, that everything was made by him and for him and without him, nothing was, uh, without him, nothing was made. He made it all. So God made us and he put in our DNA, in our minds, I believe, deep down a knowledge of what we are to do, right? You know, when we're called to the ministry, that's not like something we thought of or we saw a documentary and said, that's cool. That's something on our heart that God put in there before we were even born. It's hard for me to imagine because I spent many years living out in the world, but God knew from before I was even born. And I'm like, how did you sit through that, God? I mean, that's like 20, almost 30 years of me being out in the world from baby up to, like I said, about age 29, 30, 31, about that age there where I was out in the world. I mean, God just sat there and was like, okay, go ahead. Yep. Do that. Do that. Do that. Okay. See how it doesn't bring any pleasure. See how it doesn't bring any fulfillment. You know, that, you know, all, all my friends had, had like some kind of career mapped out. But for me, it was just clear that God wanted me to do something for him, like from day one. And it took me a while to surrender to the Lord. <laughs> a while is an understatement. But that's the point is deep down, I knew, right? Deep down, we know. Deep down, God is saying through Eve here that she knew, right? And that is such a lesson for us in how God makes us and how if we truly seek the Lord, he's going to give us uh, uh, power over this temptation. There is no temptation that is common to man. It's a very familiar verse, and I'm going to look it up for you here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There has no temptation uh, taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but with all the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Did God make it a way for Eve to escape? He did. Because the devil asked and she answered and she clearly knew right from wrong, right? God had designed her to know what she's supposed to do. Now, I know, technically speaking, they're arguing over the knowledge of good and evil, that tree and that fruit. I get that. So she didn't have that knowledge. Like we know in Genesis 2, at the end of Genesis 2, it tells us they were not ashamed. So technically speaking, she didn't have all knowledge of good and evil, but she had a knowledge of what she was supposed to do because she verbatim tells the devil what she's not allowed to touch in that garden. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Paul writes to Timothy here, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. Listen to this in verse 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. 
So Paul is writing this list, a checklist of the carnal man, the natural man, the wicked man that we see today, including many young people today, old people today, all kinds of people today, men, women, boys, girls living like this. This is a checklist, a profile, a persona of the carnal man. And yet God, yet God through his word says here through the apostle Paul, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Is that not what Eve did? She has that form of godliness. She recites back to the serpent what she is not supposed to do. And what does she end up doing? Denying the power thereof, saying, you know what? Even though I'd like to believe God, this fruit looks really good. I'm going to enjoy all that knowledge I get, and I'll be like God, just how Satan wanted to be like God. So I'm going to go ahead and do this. You see? So she's going with these, these, this idea of gratification. How long, when you take a bite of a piece of fruit, how long does it take to taste the fruit? Well, if you're like me, it's pretty instantaneous, right? Yesterday I cut up a banana and I put it on some toast with some peanut butter and I could taste that banana right away. How long do we live for God before we can taste and see his fruit in our life? Sometimes it's a while. Sometimes God's going to let us go through the fire, amen, if I'm honest I've been through some and continue to go through some. And yet we have to trust God because it comes down to belief. Eve was exhibiting unbelief by verbatim telling the devil what she's not supposed to do and then going around and doing it. That is like the textbook definition of unbelief, right? You know, if I told my kids as their parent that if they go and turn the light on downstairs when I'm not downstairs, I'm going to kick them out of the house and they flip that switch on, they're calling my bluff, saying, I don't believe him, right? And then I'm forced to kick him out of the house. Well, this wasn't a light switch, and it wasn't a house that Eve and Adam got kicked out of. It was paradise, and they got kicked out of, and they got cursed, and death entered the picture because of the unbelief of Eve and eventually of Adam to not trust God in what he's told them to do, even though they're admitting through that question. That's why God allowed that dialogue to happen, allowed it to be in his word, Because they admitted, yep, we know, we know very clearly, we have that form of godliness, but we're going to deny the power thereof, and we are going to fall into this sin, and every single person in the line of humanity has been plagued by that sin ever since. And Jesus Christ, out of God's mercy and love, came to save us from that sin. And we're going to pick up where we left off here in the next episode as we get to the next verse. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. God bless, and amen. Thanks for spending time with us today at the cafe. We would love to hear from you. You can email Brother Clark directly at clark at enduringpromise.org. See you again tomorrow. Same time, same place.